Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about the Halibut people and their world. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Welcome to the show. It's December and winter has descended. Darkness comes sooner in the day. Reading from the Mi'kmaq Spirit website. As winter came on, the Mi'kmaq established their winter camps and turned to hunting large mammals such as bear, moose, and caribou. While these large animals were their primary food source, smaller animals were also harvested. They hunted with bows and arrows and lances or trapped animals with snares. In deep snow, the Mi'kmaq hunters had an advantage since the heavy animals were slowed down by snowdrifts while the hunters were able to move about easily using snowshoes, sleds, and toboggans. The English word toboggan is borrowed directly from a Mi'kmaq word. This is a land of four seasons, and winter is one of them. On this week's show, an interview with Dave Wells, chair of the Mi'kmaq First Nations Assembly of Newfoundland, Alibu members and applicants for membership wait with anxiety for official letters from the federal government at the end of January on the status of our memberships and applications. More than a third of the current 24,000 members may lose their status. Other Mi'kmaq people will likely have their applications turned down because they left the province to look for work. The Mi'kmaq First Nations Assembly will be front and center in what will be a combative and challenging new year. The political pressure on Canada and on the Halapu Council will build. The Assembly's lawyers are waiting in the wings. Here's my interview with Dave Wells. Dave, uh, first of all, let me ask you about this, the Assembly itself. You have an office on, uh, on West Street. Do you have paid staff? We do. We have one paid staff at uh, 51 West Street. Currently, we are only receiving membership dues. There is no external funding uh, for the organization. And how many members do you have currently? Well, we're in the process of switching over to a new database, so the number is fairly fluid. But uh, we should be in the the area of about 6,000, somewhere around there. We have members that are that currently have status cards that are enrolled members of the Halapu, and uh, we have them from all circles, but a large percentage of our membership is from outside the province or outside of western Newfoundland. Right. Outside one of the designated Mi'kmaq communities uh, set out in the, in the legislation. Yes. We have those so-called Mi'kmaq communities, which are very arbitrary. So you mentioned that some of your members are BAM members, uh, some are not currently. So who can be a member of the Assembly? Uh, anybody can be a member of the Assembly. Uh, you do not even need Aboriginal uh, heritage or ancestry to be part of it. It's just that if you support what the organization is doing, we do have some members like that. Not many, but we do have a few. Now, the original agreement uh, was amended, and uh, I guess this is in large part how our current difficulties arose. To reiterate that uh, requirement of substantial connection and asking BAM members to give additional information on that for people who are currently BAM members, and of course uh, we had other 
issues about whose applications were considered. So what is your what is your fundamental dispute with the process as it has unfolded to this point? The the biggest problem with it, you know, most people were in agreement with the 2008 agreement. Setting aside all of the other problems, you know, no hunting and fishing rights, no land. So essentially the 2008 agreement gave you a medical dental card and uh, possibly education for your children or your children's children. Overall, most people were in favor of the 2008 agreement. However, after applications started coming in, uh, I'm assuming that uh, the federal government looked at it and said, we have to cut back on these numbers somehow. So they used any and all tricks and they even wrote chapters in a book, you know, trying to disqualify people. You know, then they brought in the 2013 agreement, which basically said if you did not have your application in before September the 22nd, 2011, then you had to self-identify, which again is very arbitrary. It's got nothing to do with ancestry. So it's very, uh, very, very difficult. As for the rest of the document, the 2013 document, they just went crazy with it and uh, brought in anything and everything to try and get rid of the applicant. Now, we know from uh, the way the points were set out on uh, in that supplementary uh, document, that it would be very hard to be successful in being a BAM member. Uh, was the FNI well known? Not really. Uh, you, you know, it was known in small circles, and at its heyday, the FNI, Federation of Newfoundland Indians, so had approximately 6,000 members, and that was probably at their height. And when they f formed the agreement, there was really no mention of the FNI other than the negotiation for with the 2008 agreement. And there were people that tried to get into the Federation of Newfoundland Indians. Uh, one of them was my wife. And she was told, oh, that's gone. It's go everything now is going to be rolled into the Holocaust. So it's just a waste of time to put you in into the FNI. So there were people turned away. And it's which is a small, I'm sure that would be a small group. But when you look at the 2013 agreement, uh, nine points were given for being a member of the Federation of Newfoundland Indians. So that's the jackpot. I mean, if you're an FNI member, you have a, uh, a, a big advantage in maintaining your membership. You have a huge advantage. So, so the whole tables were turned on the applicants so that if you were not a member of the Federation of Newfoundland Indians and you did not apply before September the 22nd, 2011, then you, you're basically outside the parameters of the 13 points required to be a member of the Holopu. So basically the majority of the people that applied after September 22nd, 2011 are what is known as 12 pointers. In other words, they receive 12 points, but you require 13 for your application to pass to be a member of the uh, Holopu. Now, have you had any contact with the federal government over what we can expect uh, in January when the letters go out? We have written uh, the Minister Bennett and also the, uh, the MP here, uh, Goody Hutchings. We've tried to get meetings with everybody and nobody will talk to us.
so you know everything is just unfolding and uh the other problem is that the only person that actually took the time to talk to us was uh, Premier Ball, the uh, Premier of Newfoundland. So, of course, he's limited in what he can do because this is a federal uh, responsibility. What did he say he would he could do anything uh, on behalf of the assembly? Well, basically, he's, he told me that uh, they would be writing a letter to the uh, Prime Minister outlining some of the concerns, you know, that... The way that this is structured right now, it will be a divisive uh, document which will uh, take people, take families, and and put and put a splinter right through it. You know, so that what's going to happen is that the mother and father are living in a so-called Mi'kmaq community in Western Newfoundland. They will get the status, but if the sons or daughters move, say, to Toronto or Fort McMurray or Halifax for employment, they will not get it because they live outside a Mi'kmaq community. And, and, and you also have people that had medical and dental insurance in, in, here, <clears throat> excuse me, and what happened to them, they went, as soon as they got their status card, they canceled their uh, medical dental. So come the 31st of January, some of these people will not have any medical or dental coverage. You know, you can argue that they shouldn't have done it or whatever, but it's done in some cases. So really, this there's social ramifications to this that is just unbelievable, and it's going to tear apart Western Newfoundland, and nobody is listening. How about uh, the MP uh, Goody Hutchings? Have you has she has she been supportive, and what can she do in her role as MP? Well, I'm assuming that, uh, you know, where Yvonne Jones is the parliamentary secretary to Minister Bennett, that uh, she could speak with Yvonne quite easily. Our vice chair, uh, Julie Sager, she did speak to Yvonne Jones, and Yvonne was fairly supportive, but uh, basically saying, you know, it's got to come from from the MP over here, and thus far we haven't heard anything. How about the, the Halibut band itself and Chief Mitchell? Have you had any discussions with him about the issue? Many, many discussions. And Chief Mitchell and I go way back, you know, so we've known each other a long, long time. And uh, he, is some, he is frustrated with the enrollment process. But you have to bear in mind, it was the previous council that approved this. And he's not getting anywhere. And indications are right now that the Halapu, after January the 31st, I'm hearing a whole pile of different numbers from people involved, and we're hearing as low as 10,000 people will be in the Halapu. Uh, the more consistent number is 16,000, 17,000. That's what we're hearing. Right now, there's about 24,200 uh, card-carrying members of the Halapu. You can, you can put this up to rumor or whatever, uh, but I, I do believe that these numbers are probably fairly firm, but I can't prove that. Yes. However, February the 1st, we're definitely going to know. And what do you expect is going to happen then? People will get their, their letters, all hell will break loose, and how does the Assembly plan to respond when uh, the news is out? Our legal firm is Gowlings and, uh, out of Ontario, uh, which is probably the best uh, Aboriginal law firm in the country, uh, and, you know, we're speaking with uh, legal representatives there right now, and we're just waiting <clears throat> waiting for the uh, final result to come out. But, you know, if, I, if what we're hearing is correct, you're looking at, you know, anywhere from, say, 
five, ten thousand people losing their status cards with the Holocaust. So you're you're it seems like you're planning for litigation inevitably. Well, you know what I mean? If nobody talks to us, we have no choice. Mm-hmm. And saying, how can we fix this process? Perhaps what it's going to take is for a judge to decide how to fix it. As Newfoundland Aboriginals, we are being treated much differently than any Aboriginal in any other province of Newfoundland, uh, the country. For instance, if you're, if you applied for, for status with the Halapu and you moved to St. John's, uh, or you moved to Clarenville, you are totally outside of a Mi'kmaq community. So unless you are, uh, um, were a member of the Federation of Newfoundland Indians, you will probably lose your status come January the 31st. Now, uh, I see on your website uh, the Assembly has, uh, you have uh, a membership drive going on now encouraging people to join. How can people join the Assembly? Uh, they can contact our office, one. They can uh, do it over the, uh, the website, but uh, probably the easiest way is just to, uh, to contact us. We're on Facebook. Mi'kmaq First Nation Assembly of Newfoundland, and that's where a lot of the information is going through. And I think people can uh, can pay their uh, can sign up online and, and pay the uh, the membership fee with PayPal, if I recall correctly, yes. from the website. Yes, yes, they can. So now, you, you know uh, how this is going to turn out in January. I hope everything I'm hearing is wrong, and that everybody gets in and are treated equitably. However, you have to plan for the worst case scenario, and that's what we're doing. Now, Dave, the last thing I wanted to ask you about is I hear that uh, you've had some discussions with the Congress of Aboriginal Peoples, uh, CAP. We did, and uh, there's a couple of things out there right now. One is we were looking to that group because they represent uh, non-status or, or landless bands, shall we say. However, uh, there's a push on right now for the Holopu to move over to the Assembly of First Nations, and that would pave the way for us to go and join the Congress of Aboriginal Peoples. Do you see that happening over the next uh, year? What would be the timelines involved there? Uh, I had hoped that it would would have been a done deal by now, but uh, uh, I don't know what is the holdup with the Holopu moving over. I know everybody wants them to move, and I had I would think that after January the 31st, they will move over. So then that would pave the way for us. We would uh, go through the process of joining the uh, Congress. Uh, but, the, but there's another point here that, you know, a lot of people are missing, is that this is right now is basically an agreement in principle. It has not been ratified, the 2008 and 2013 agreements. So, you know, I mean, the Holopu can pull out of this and say, look, this is being done wrong. We've got to go back to the table and come up with a whole new set of guidelines for enrollment. You know, they can make that decision because either party, the federal government or the Holopu, can pull out of this with, uh, I believe, 30 days' notice. And has Chief Mitchell given you any indication he's prepared to do that? No. However, you know, I mean, that's a big decision. You know, I have to be fair to to the uh, members of Holopu, but you also have to look at come January the 31st, how many people will not be members of the Holopu? 
Dave Wells, chair of the Mi'kmaq First Nations Assembly of Newfoundland. You can find the assembly online, www.mfnan.org. And that's it for the show. Thanks for listening to Mi'kmaq Matters. Thanks to Alison Baker for technical assistance here in the studio. Thanks also to artist Marcus Goss for permission to use celebration time. Follow us on Twitter, at Mi'kmaq Matters. That's M-I-Q-M-A-Q Matters. Check us out online, mi'kmaqmatters.blogspot.ca. Listen on SoundCloud or subscribe on iTunes. This is Glenn Wheeler. Till next time.